The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Charlie. And this is Nathan. We're so happy to have you guys joining us today. And it was now about three weeks ago that we were talking about that verse in scripture where Satan hindered Paul. And uh, in the midst of talking about that, we kind of began to talk about the difference between spiritual attack in the context of mission and spiritual attack in the context of like our personal lives and strongholds and all of those kinds of things. And we really weren't able to break into the personal side of things. So today we just wanted to spend a little bit of extra time on that. Yeah. So in that episode, but Satan hindered us, we said, hey, if we're on mission with Jesus, we are bound to be attacked by Satan. Right. He's desiring to keep those people in the dark. We can't stop it. Right. We don't have to succumb to it, but we can't stop the attack. So today is more, what are the things that we might succumb to and how do we fight against them and not give in to them? Right. And not just in the context of mission, but in the context of everyday life. Christian life. Right. So obviously Satan, well, let's share a few verses about him. John 10, 10, uh, he is out to kill, steal, and destroy he hates your guts. He wants to rip you to pieces. According to 1 Peter 5, 8, uh, he is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Ever watched an episode of National Geographic <laughs> and uh, there's an impala running by and uh, this lion is like prowling through the bushes ready to shred it to pieces. That's what Satan wants to do to, to us, mm. <laughs> uh, to the believers. Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God that you might be able to withstand the attack of the enemy and the schemes of the devil. Uh, so obviously there's this real reality going on. And I think one of the key verses as we talk about this, uh, personal strongholds. Well, here's another one. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Our, we don't wage war as the world wages war. Our weapons demolish strongholds. They have divine power to demolish strongholds and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Mm. So a lot of times this is a thought battle. It's not a visible battle that we can see with the with our own eyes. There's something going on in the spiritual realm. Satan is firing arrows at us, and I think a lot of times those would be thoughts, mm-hmm. possibly, that come at us. Maybe sometimes they're temptations, even though we know our own sinful desire tempts us. According to James. Yes. Yep. We know at the same time Satan is firing arrows at us. Mm. Uh He's a murderer and he's a liar from the beginning. He's the father of all lies. So this is who he is in the scripture. Mm. Um, So we might get strongholds in our life. We might get places where Satan, well, could he? (laughs) I guess that's the big, big question there. Could he do that to our life? Could he get a hold of some aspect of our life and And, influence it? And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that our answer is yes. Yes. Because 
there's scripture that indicates that we can give Satan a foothold. It's that scripture that talks about not going to bed on your, going to sleep while you're angry, uh, because you can give the enemy a foothold or a stronghold uh, in your Ephesians life. Ephesians 4, 4, uh, 4, uh, 32, 24, 26. I can look it up. <laughs> it's there. Uh, let me tell you, I about have it. I was looking at it earlier. Ephesians four twenty six. There you go. Uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger, and in doing so, give the devil a foothold in your life. What's a foothold? I think of somebody climbing a rock wall. A foothold is a place where you can grip a hold of and move forward into the land. Uh, in the Greek language, it means topos, topography, like a map. So when we let the sun go down our on our anger, we don't forgive somebody. Anger, bitterness rises up in our hearts. We're giving the enemy an opportunity to influence our lives. Right. And I think that you would say that it's even more than anger that gives the enemy a foothold. I think so. Yeah. I think when we read through Ephesians, we see other uh, sinful attitudes and postures and things that um, the devil would love for us to do. And... Uh, I think as we do, we're giving him opportunity to take advantage of our lives. So what does that mean to take advantage of our lives? Yeah, I think it's to influence. So he's the father of all lies. So, um, and it will, these are kind of getting into, let's, let's do this. Uh, there are, we've seen five main things, okay. I think, that, that would allow uh, Satan to have a foothold, a place of influence. That's sure. what I mean by advantage, a place to influence us. Right. So I think there's five things that make that easier for him. Okay. Uh, that's basically, uh, it's us, say, Ephesians 6, lift up the shield of faith to put out the fire arrows. It's us saying, eh, I'm going to put down the shield of faith today. <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, the arrows are still coming. Right. So what happens when we put down the shield? And how do we put down the shield? It's not really trusting Jesus, not really obeying him. And so I, I've, and it's not limited to these areas, but I see five main areas as I read the scripture, as I talk with people. I know you've seen them, Nate. Sure. Um, number one is unconfessed sin. Yeah. That's a, I feel like <laughs> of all the ones that I've encountered, this one is probably the most common unconfessed. I, sin. I disagree, but I think it's massive. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and I mean, we, we definitely have two separate experiences, yeah. but like this, this, holding on to unforgiveness, at least in the, the people that I've ministered to, like, it seems like there's a very consistent, like... You mean unconfessed sin? Not unforgiveness. Oh, is that a separate one? Yeah. Oh, there you go. See, clarity is important. <laughs> unconfessed sin, maybe I didn't make that very clear. It's I've sinned and I haven't confessed it. Okay. Yep. Yep. That, so, that one's not as common as the other one that uh, I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Let, let's just hop through them then. Unconfessed sin, uh, that next one would be unforgiveness. We'll hop into that in a minute. But unconfessed sin, that's First um, John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Yep. James 5, <laughs> uh, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. What if we don't? Sure. Uh, First John's talking about living in the light, being children of the light confessing your sins to walk in forgiveness to walk in the light and if we don't we're walking in darkness right. i'd rather live in the darkness today sweep it under the rug i don't want to tell anybody about it because well i don't want them to know the darkness in my own heart and life i'd rather put on a face and right. uh i've got it handled anyway so sure forget about it and un unconfessed sin somehow seems to have this power over people yeah like 
when you confess it, when you bring it to the light, it, it seems like the power that it has over you is reduced. But when you don't confess it, it seems like it it's almost it almost seems like it's easier to keep doing that sin. Right? Yeah. 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 It's easier to keep doing it. There's no accountability. And it's like your deep, dark secret that nobody knows and it has power over you. Right. And especially when we're like fearful or too arrogant to confess it to Jesus, like that says something about the position of our heart as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that's massively important. Uh, Confess it to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. And walk forward in his forgiveness. And uh, Hebrews 4 says, in our times of greatest need, we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. Crucial. Massively important. And uh, he'll give us help and grace and mercy in our time of need. Um, Go to a brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, I'm struggling with something. I want to confess this. Let's pray together. Just like James says, if you want to have that, that healing in your heart, that power to overcome, it comes through confessing to the Lord and to a brother or sister who can walk with you and help you. Right. And I know that that seems difficult. Uh, it's definitely not in our culture as Protestants to confess our sins to each other, but it is crucially, crucially important. Mm-hmm. We were never intended to do this Christian thing alone. When we when we do it together as the body of Christ, we're stronger, we're more well-equipped, we can learn from the mistakes of others, and there's someone who has our backs to say, Hey man, are you still struggling with this? Is like next time, next time this happens to you, call me, you know, like let, let's talk it through before you make this decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we transition from unconfessed sin, I think it's important to talk about what are the sinful things? What is sin? Uh, I think it's a topic that's less talked about today. Um, people don't have the same view of sin they did 15 years ago. Which is crazy. Uh, That's in our lifetimes. It, it is. Even and we 10 don't have years very ago. long lifetimes. <laughs> um, things that historically everybody knew was sinful are now all of a sudden normalized and they're okay. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, so what is I? I was thinking about this recently. There's a lot of sin lists in the Bible and Corinthians and Galatians five and Romans chapter one. You find these lists of sins, and it's not always limited to these, but they're categorically things that are sinful. So sin by definition means missing the mark. It's it's missing the fullness of what God has for our life. It's not what he desires. And um, I, I've come cu- come down to that it mostly fits into three categories, pride, uh, evil desires, and division. Mm. As I read these lists, I'm like, what do they ha- relate? Well, pride, putting myself before others, idolatry, choosing to love other things more than I love God, essentially saying I'm more important. Um, Coveting, and, and a lot, which is also idolatry. Right, and lust. and I put that in the evil desires, yeah. but it, it does. I mean, well, they overlap. It, it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it puts it puts me first, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's, and in many cases, it puts that person so second that they're yeah. just a piece of meat. That's true. They're just something to, to be worshipped or something to be ogled at or whatever. Yes, uh, evil desires, that yep. it overlaps. Yep. I mean, they all overlap. Evil desires, it's... Uh, that could include drunkenness, substance, desire for that, um, coveting, greediness, uh, mm. all of these types of things. Um, oh, one for uh, pride, grumbling and complaining. Oh, yeah. That's like, it shocks me that this is true, but it's like one of the biggest sins in the scriptures. Mm. 
from beginning to end. I was with my wife one time and we just decided to look it up and do a little word study on grumbling, complaining. We were shocked. Yeah. Like in the book of numbers, the Israelites got swallowed up into the earth because they complained. Right. <laughs> because That's, what what is our grumbling and complaining reveal? I don't really think that what God has given me is good enough. Right. It's not good enough. I don't trust him to provide what I need tomorrow. Like there's so... Uh, this situation sucks. I was in bad traffic last week. Right. Yeah. And it's it, like, wow, that's pathetic. Even though we all do it. Like I I heard this said that grumbling and complaining is one of the most pitied sins. Like, mm. like, oh, I'm so sorry you went through that. And it's like, so we're just, we're just saying, great, good job sinning. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just looking at another one of those lists uh, in Revelation 21, these mm. people who won't inherit eternal life. And it says, uh, uh, faith, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. We'll have to do a different episode on hell. Um, since we're on the topic of sin and hell, welcome to Fuel for the Harvest. Let's talk about sin and hell. Uh, glad you came. Um, so, uh, yeah, grumbling and complaining is massive. Um, evil desires, I think sexual immorality is rampant, uh, at least in America today. And uh, it's not really talked about that often. Um, I'm sorry, but I'm not that sorry. The Bible's really clear. Anything done sexually outside of marriage, which is one man, one woman for one lifetime is sinful. Mm. And so stop fooling around. Like that's clear in Galatians 5. Like right. this sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sure. And just to touch on it briefly, we don't have time to hit it really hard right now. But like all of these moral commands from Jesus, we look at them as like prohibitive, like, I can't believe Jesus mm. would say that I can't have sex with whoever I want as if like, <laughs> as if it's a good thing that I can have sex with whoever I want. When in reality, these rules and these morals, they, they are outlined for us so that we can have the best life possible. Yeah. Like there's unknown consequence. Well, there's known consequences to having sex with someone who's not your husband or wife. Like if you're already married, there's going to be relational consequences. There's going to be social consequences. There's spiritual consequences between you and the Lord, between you and your spouse. If you're not married, like you're sleeping with someone else's future husband or wife. And that like you're, you're, you're creating all kinds of bonds with that person um that things that just don't go away in the same way that if you were to break up with them in a you two weeks later like <laughs> it, it's going to feel different if you had sex versus if you haven't had sex god created sex to be something that is is designed specifically for marriage because it's so unifying and like the two shall become one flesh all that to say like we we can't be looking at these moral these moral commands from jesus as yeah. prohibitive uh, he's just, it, it's kind of like saying, hey, don't cross the road without looking both ways because you're going to get hit by a semi truck. What if I want to? <laughs> right. Go ahead. <laughs> if you want to suffer the consequences, but just know that you've been warned. Yeah. And um, uh, I I think that's really true. Um, really, really true. And we have to consider like Jesus has come to give us the fullness of life. Satan has come to kill, steal and destroy. He wants to rob you of the fullness of what God has. And when we're walking in sin, we're missing the mark of the fullness of what God has for us. Right. But we have bunny trailed 
heroically uh, just so now. So <laughs> there you go. Um, the third thing is divisions. So factions, uh, cliques. Uh, I don't like that person. Uh, this is my group. I'm right. not going to hang out with them. Uh gossip behind their back <coughs> denominationalism uh <laughs> i have nothing wrong with denominations as long as they're not pointing the finger at other ones right uh so which in some cases they really can let's be honest yeah <laughs> like we fight about just things that really in the long-term eternity don't matter meanwhile we're distracted from the things that really do matter like doing what jesus commanded us to do for example yeah. i do think there is uh on the, the rabbit trail topic, a lot of strength in denominational networks and how people and believers can network across cities and work together for the kingdom. Right. Uh, but when, when we start looking at others in the faith and saying, ah, you guys suck because you're not my denomination, mm. that's when it becomes problematic. And I think what Paul's saying, division, sinful. Right. Uh, that's a huge one in our day and age. So unconfessed sin, these are all the types of things, not limited to this, but these types of things, confess them. If you've struggled, Lord, I'm really sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. And right. then move on. Confess it and press forward, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Um, How guilty should I feel about my sin? That's a good question. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, I don't think that you should feel condemned for your sin. I think when you feel convicted sometimes people confuse the word guilt and conviction agreed and so it depends on what you mean by that i think you should feel bad when you sin yeah um so if you're feeling guilty and and convicted good praise god you have the spirit in you right confess it now if you say because and when you say you have the spirit in you like there's a scripture that says that the holy spirit will convict the sin the the world world of of their sin. sin yeah so you feeling guilt or conviction is evidence that God still loves you and that you have the spirit of God in you. And that like the thing that you really need to be worried about is, is when you if don't you feel sin bad. <laughs> and you don't feel bad, then it's like, like, why is there no conviction? Why is there no yeah. guilt? Is Does this have some kind of indication of where I am spiritually? Yeah, I think that's a dangerous place to be. So confess your sin. Confess your sin. And that will be a way of walking in obedience and not succumbing to the enemy's strongholds in our lives. Um, Secondly is believing lies. Wait, so that's the second stronghold? Yes. The first is unconfessed sin. Second one. The second one is believing lies. leads to Satan's stronghold and influence in our life. He's the Satan of Satan's the father of all lies, the accuser of the brethren. Sure. So maybe like it said, we have divine weapons of with divine power to demolish strongholds and take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. I think that a lot of times our thoughts are lies that are being thrown at us, whether that's another person who speaks it, uh, something we saw on a billboard, uh, in the news, or it just came to my mind one day. Mm. Uh, Satan's the father of all lies. Uh, it doesn't matter where it came from. Um, and what happens when we believe them? <laughs> Our life is hindered. He's influenced us. Now, we're not talking about, hey, Satan can come and 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 possess you as a Christian or something wild like that. Uh, that's a, that's no. Um, let me just stop there. Possession means ownership. So that's the definition of possession. I possess a house. That means I own it. God owns all Christians. Satan owns all non-believers. They transfer from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And when they believe. Yes, when yep. you believe and follow Jesus. And turn your back on your other ways. Repent and believe, Jesus said. 
So, yeah, um, we need to follow him and we'll be transferred to the kingdom of light. We're owned by God. That does not mean that we cannot be influenced by the enemy. Like it says in these passages, he's firing arrows at us. He's seeking to devour us. In fact, uh, Revelation chapter 12, he's waging war against those who follow Jesus. Mm. Uh, so um, it's not like he can't influence us, but he doesn't own us. Right. So he has no authority to, to keep owning us. Right. Uh, we're, we're God's kids now. So um, believing lies, we need to rebuke the lies. So, but, so what kind of lies? Yeah. Maybe like... Yeah, like what? You're garbage. Yeah, like, hey, you just suck, man. You're like, so, you're good at nothing. You're so unlovable. Yeah. Like, God doesn't really care about you. Maybe like, God doesn't exist. You're just a fool believing in a fake thing. Maybe like... And this interesting Proverbs actually says that the fool says God doesn't exist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so... I, I mean, the, there's so many lies that we believe. Maybe, I, I don't I know think you got most, any ideas. I think most of the time they're about us or God. Yeah. Uh, I should be condemned for my sin. Oh, yeah. There you go. I prayed with a young guy one time. Won't share his name right now, uh, but he had come we to me. We would never share any name. Nathan. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. You're not the guy. Uh uh, prayed with him and he's confessing some things he was struggling with. I said, man, let's pray together. I want to really encourage you and help you forward. And, um, his face was so down. I said, man, and this is a believer, a fellow brother in Christ is like, do you feel like right now, like you should be condemned for all this? He said, yes, absolutely. I should. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that's interesting. Um, hey, you want to look at Romans chapter eight with me? Mm. We opened our Bibles. We read Romans chapter eight, verse one. Right now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. So like, hey, you're a believer. Yeah. Uh, look at that. There's no condemnation for you. He said, wow, I never knew that before. Mm. And I said, man, let's rebuke this lie from your life in Jesus name. Believe what God has given you. Receive that truth. Um, I, John chapter eight, verse 32. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. What we you, have to know the truth. Right. And that's such a stereotypical verse that we almost like glaze over yeah. it. Like, well, the truth will set us free. No, it's like this is a concrete reality of Scripture. The truth of God will indeed set, set you free. free. Knowing it will yeah. set you free. It yeah. does. It's not like, oh, good. The truth will set me free. We forgot the first phrase. You will know the truth. Right. And it will set you free. What if we don't know it? Well, we got to. And we got to grab our Bibles. We got to read it. We got to get in it. We got to get the word into us and uh, know it and know Jesus and get up close to him. Otherwise, I think we're allowing the enemy to fire his arrows at us, believe his lies, and we have a stronghold issue. Yep. Oh, I'm stuck in this lie. Okay. So that's number two, believing lies. Yeah. Number three is the one that um, you were thinking about. I think the most common, the most. Yeah. Uh, so we agree that it is super common. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not talked about very often because people get uncomfortable and they don't feel like they should do it. But it's unforgiveness. Mm. Um, well, that person hurt me. Do you know what they did to me? Like, why should I ever forgive them? I'll never forgive them. Mm. These kinds of statements. Um it's dangerous ground because Jesus said that we're forgiven in the way that we forgive others. It's right there in the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us as we forgive those yeah. who trespass against us. God won't forgive you if you don't forgive others. Now, there's a lot of interpretation on what that means, but right. that's a straight quote from Jesus. Right. Uh, it's massively important. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, forgive others as you have been forgiven in Christ. And how does Christ forgive? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, how does God forgive us in Christ? Freely, no, unconditionally. He holds grudges. Generously, <laughs> without hesitation, lavishes it on us. Right. And now go doing the same and to, to others. Go forgive them. Um, now, I like to think of forgiveness like being shot with an arrow. Mm. I know that's funny. Like, wah, I just shot an arrow at you. And Nathan's walking around now with some arrow out, hanging out of his arm. Uh, I was nice. Shot you in the arm, not in the face. Thanks, man. Um, so what does he do? Does he say, ah, I'm going to live the rest of my life holding on to that arrow. Just keep it in uh, there. Let it yeah. rot and faster. Exactly. Because yeah. it hurts too much to take it out. Mm. Um, well, when you feel better, you'll take it out. Mm. Uh, when the wound heals, you'll take it out. I hang, I'm sorry, buddy. News for you. It ain't healing. Right. Uh, no, you would find a doctor. You would find someone, whatever it takes, you would find a way as fast as you possibly could to get the arrow out. That's like the spiritual choice of forgiveness. Somebody just wronged us. Now we choose immediately to forgive them just like God forgives us in Christ. Now, a caveat with that, this is where people trip up a little bit, is we understand that wound might take time to heal. Right. But we have to forgive to start the healing process. People will say, oh, no, forgiveness is a process. It takes time. Like, I don't need to forgive yet. I'm not ready for that. Well, I hate to say it, but you're disobeying Jesus until you're ready. Right. So. And like just in that, just as in that illustration, you have to get the arrow out. You have to forgive in order to yeah. allow healing to occur. You will not like. I don't mean like, I mean this in all seriousness. You will not experience healing from these wounds until you decide to forgive. It's, uh, you've probably heard it said, um, put some of you, uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it hurts the person that wronged you. Right. Holding on to this stuff is just, it's really bad. And can I just say as some, like someone who has been, a friend of yours, Charlie, you do this really well. You're very, very quick to forgive because believe it or not, we get on each other's nerves and <laughs> I say bad things and he says stuff and you know, whatever. <laughs> like, but we forgive each other and he's, Charlie is so fast to forgive and being on the receiving end of someone who's really fast to forgive, it's also freeing to be like, to be able to go to someone and say, please forgive me. And they say, yep, mm -hmm. it's done. Don't worry about it. Like, I forgive you, you know, like that's, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a really wonderful, powerful, redeeming thing in, in a friendship and a relationship, whatever. Yeah, I agree. In a marriage, uh, for those yes. of you who are married, I recommend that you, um, challenge yourself to pick up this type of mentality. Don't challenge your spouse in it. Like, come on. <laughs> challenge yourself. You better be faster at forgiving. <laughs> no, no, challenge yourself in it. And uh, that's one of the four D's of destructive communication, <laughs> telling the other what person what they're doing wrong <laughs> instead of taking accountability. Anyway, go ahead. Not that there's never a place to say something to your spouse. I think we, we have to sometimes. Right. Because uh, we're Hold blind. one another accountable yeah. lovingly, but like going and saying you better do this and then not doing <laughs> it yourself. That's, that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, forgiveness. Massive, massive, massive. There's another point in the book of Matthew where Jesus talks about... Um, 
the wicked servant who he was set free from his debts by his master. And then this servant goes to those who served him with small debts and holds them accountable and holds them to the fire until mm. they pay their debts. And the original big time master says, who are you? I set you free. And now this is how you treat those underneath you. You wicked servant, go to prison. like Until you pay the last penny. Yeah. yeah and uh, that's when the, Jesus is talking about forgiveness. He's like, that's, that's what you guys are doing. Right. God has forgiven you this enormous debt. And then you hold little pity, like relative to what God has yeah. forgiven you for, you're holding pittance against other people. I've, we have seen people forgive others as we've discipled them and prayed with them and they've faced horrendous suffering i mean some of the worst things i've ever heard suffering torture put in prison beaten uh raped abused uh approved of by people who should be protecting and the thing is Forgiveness is not a burden. It's an offer of Jesus to us. Mm. I think we view it as a burden. How can you put that burden on a victim? Mm. No, this is an offer to say, hey, I'm really sorry that you faced this. Like This is a hor horrific suffering that people have inflicted on you. What would it look like for you to walk in the fullness of freedom to forgive them and say, Lord, I put them in your hands. I today choose to forgive this person for wronging me. Say that in prayer out loud. I forgive them, Lord. Mm. I release them into your judgment. You're the ultimate judge, not me. And uh, God will take care of it. He's a God's a God of justice. Um, everyone will be repaid according to what they have done. I didn't say that. That's a quote of scripture. I'm not talking about work salvation because salvation is a free gift, not of work, so that no one can boast according to Ephesians 2. Uh, I'm talking about after we're saved, is what we do going to last or is it going to be... Um, hay and, and stubble and burned away when Jesus comes back on judgment day. And he's going to make all things right. He's the yeah. judge. He knows judging right from wrong. He will put things back in their place. Sure. So we don't have to worry. So anyway, that's so, forgiveness. Right. So that's the first three, right? Yeah. So unconfessed sin, believing lies and unforgiveness. That's the first three. There's two more yet to be discussed. And we want to give you some practical tools on how to get to the other side of this stuff. But in order to get that information, you're going to have to come back and listen next week. And uh, we look forward to having you there. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for joining. Uh, let's continue this journey so that we're not stuck in the strongholds. One thing I'll share before we wrap up, why is this important? It's difficult to labor for God's kingdom, loving Jesus and loving others with everything we've got when we're all tied up and wrapped up in the enemy strongholds in our life. So let's keep dealing with them. Thanks for joining us, guys, on this episode of Fuel for the Harvest. We'll see you next time.